don't look back because the market is closed. Good Friday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Herridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a great end to your week this week. It was not the ending to the week you want to see for our stock market, but if you were looking for an interesting day, we certainly had one of those. Really an interesting week all around. We've got a lot to cover here today. A few really important factors, including a massive bank failure today, the largest since 2008, seemed to happen overnight. Then we've also got February's jobs data came back this morning as well. We'll cover that here. And one good factor, one really good factor to some extent, the flight to safety trade working again, finally resuming here. And we've got a whole lot more to cover all today. So let's jump in here. First off, as I mentioned, believe it or not, we just witnessed the largest bank failure since 2008 today. You've likely heard this by now. It's all everyone's talking about in the financial mainstream media. And for good reason. I mean, this is a, a certainly a massive story here. One that uh, we're certainly going to cover here today. But to give you a little bit of hope before I dive into it, we see the risk of contagion from this as likely low. This was somewhat of a boutique type of a bank. Uh, 93% of all their depositors had over $250,000 deposited. So this wasn't just your everyday person's bank. Um, now, could it spill over to the rest of the in industry? You know, who's to say? It's tough to tell always. Uh, but this does seem to be a little bit contained here. Uh, so let's jump into it here. A quick snapshot. Now I'll skip a lot of the details here in the interest of time, but essentially here's what happened. Silicon Valley Bank, also known as SVB, just said at the end of December they had total assets of $209 billion, and I saw reports of as potentially as much as $91 billion or so, or, or, or a significant portion of that was liquid. Uh so everything looked pretty good. But as interest rates kept creeping higher, the bank became under more and more pressure, also citing the recent slowdown in IPOs, which has made it more difficult for them to raise cash. As these issues started to come to light, they faced a bit of a run on their bank as $91 billion in their bonds were... were exposed to interest rate risk here. So they had a fire sale on bonds selling their $21 billion bond portfolio, which they lost over $1.8 billion on. I'm not going to try to stay away from some of the numbers here. But because of those losses, they went to try to raise money in order to stay solvent, cover their losses. And that's where things really got ugly because credit agencies weren't having it. They cut SVB's credit rating which caused investors to panic. Their share sell failed. They began to receive more runs on the bank. And, you know, whether it was caused by this or was the cause of this, or if it's just a perfect storm of events, the U.S. banking sector lost nearly $100 billion in market cap in 24 hours. So they definitely didn't help SVB's case here, especially when they're trying to raise money. So, SVB was certainly the loser in this sell-off. They were down over 60% yesterday. 
They were down also in after hours trading significantly as well. So what does the company do? They announced plans to sell the business. That's when regulators stepped in. They halted the stock ahead of trading this morning. The FDIC took over the company and almost as quickly as this problem came onto the scene, we just witnessed the second largest bank collapse in US history, the largest since 2008. And as I mentioned earlier, approximately 93% of SVB investors are their deposits we're above the 250,000 FDIC insurance limit. So their problems are certainly not over yet. Already you've got the FDIC scrambling you know, to make good with their depositors uh, who were depositors at SVB. Um, and again, the good news here is that this isn't your typical bank. It is more of a bank for wealthy individuals. Silicon Valley makes sense. Uh, so it lowers the risk of contagion here, but certainly just a very interesting play that we're watching play out right now. And what makes it so interesting is that if we expected the Fed to continue hiking rates from here, or what we had said for a long time, we've said it since they, you know, the last few months when they continued to raise rates and talked about doing a 50 basis point hike in March, which seems very slim now. But we said the Fed would continue to hike rates until they broke something. Who knew that it would be the banks, right? Uh, the, the banks have loved to brag about and the Fed has loved to brag about all their stress tests that they do on these banks and their extreme reserve requirements, that new regulations they've passed since 2008 that should protect the banks. The banks are stronger than ever. You know, and, and so to some extent, that's certainly true for maybe the bigger banks. This isn't one of those. While it had a massive portfolio, uh, it's not one of your everyday banks. Uh, so again, it's just who thought it would be the banks. And the legendary Ed Yardini was on Making Money with Charles Payne today. And it is a great point that he made. And I think it bears repeating here is that last year, J.P. Morgan Chase J.P. Morgan Chase's CEO, Jamie Dimon, who I, I've covered here a lot on this podcast, um, you know, the CEO of the company who's faced four, five felony count charges against his bank, and he's still allowed to be the CEO, you know, announcing ties now. And it wasn't directly to Jamie Dimon exactly just yet, but the bank's ties to Jeffrey Epstein. These are all felony count charges brought against this bank. But uh, Jamie Dimon, like I said, I'm not going to get too deep into that today. But Jamie Dimon last year, I think it was June or July of last year, said, you better brace yourself for a hurricane. He said, I thought I saw a storm coming. It's a hurricane. How ironic now, this is what Ed Yardini said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but how ironic now that the banks are the ones causing the hurricane. Again, who saw that one coming? And again, this is a, a banking sell-off. We've certainly seen it. BKX, BKX, the banking index, was down 15.75% on the week. He went on to say, though, that he doesn't see it as a risk of contagion either. And as a matter of fact, said that bank stocks are looking attractive to him now that they've been so beat up. You know, they're, they're selling for a discount now. Now, we don't like to touch the financials. We haven't recommended them in a long time. Uh, Kip is very outspoken about this as well. So we don't have any interest in those stocks, but we also don't see it yet 
as being the reason, uh, you know, for a hurricane of a recession. Uh, as Kip mentioned yesterday and on some other podcasts as well, if we see a recession, we continue to expect it'll be very a very shallow one. Um, and again, the stock market's not the economy either. So if we're going through a recession, doesn't mean that the stock market has to get crushed as well. Uh, Eddie Ardini also joined the VRA camp today in and, and, and talking to, to Charles Payne. This one uh, I really like to hear because it's always nice to hear somebody who's been in the business for so long agreeing with the point of view that we've talked about here so much on this podcast. How long have we said that the Fed needed to pause their rate hikes? I mean, we've been saying that since they were, they were still doing 75 basis point rate hikes because of the lag effect, which has made is becoming more and more popular of a talking point now. And that is that because we're coming up on one year from when the Fed began raising rates, that's when the, the full effects of rate hikes are felt. Not until 10, 11, 12, 13 months after they take place. So he said today that his view before this week was the Fed should hike 25 basis points in March. And then their next meeting isn't until May. So they should hike 25 points in March, 25 points in May, and then pause. That was his previous view. Now... We, we said this before too, we'd rather them just pause here, but if they're going to do it, make it a 25 basis point hike. And that's what he said as well. They should hike one more time in March by 25 basis points and then pause from there. So good to have Eddie Ardini uh, somewhat in our camp as well. And make no mistake about it, just one final point here, point here on the banks and bond yields. This should really get the Fed's attention, this recent action, because it wasn't just SVB. It was all of the major banks really getting caught up in this as well. Uh, JP Morgan ended up rallying to finish positive on the day-to-day, got crushed yesterday, didn't get back all of its losses just yet uh, in Goldman Sachs, down over 4%. Uh, JP Morgan was up 2.5% though. But, uh, you know, the the collapse of SVB will certainly get their attention and bond yields. The 10-year yield down 5.86% today to a 3.69. Folks, 10 days ago, we were above 4% at a 4.09. Now we're down to a 3.69. That is a 9.5% fall from its peak just eight days ago on March 2nd. And the two-year yield down even bigger, down 9.6% this week alone, falling from 5.08% to four, just over 4.5%. That's a good reason there too. And that transitions us to the jobs data from today. While it looked like a strong number on the top line, we got the signs of weakness that the Fed is looking for. And that's why yields are big reason why yields were lower today. Uh, and it gives good reason for the Fed to start to think about pausing rate hikes and you know makes the 25 basis point theme look even better for their next hike. So this morning, it was hotter than expected again on the top line. Uh, but overall, a mixed report here. Definitely not a red-hot month like January was. We had 311,000 jobs created versus the estimate of 225. So that was the beat, right? That was what uh, the top line, what everybody was looking for is a good jobs number. However, we also saw unemployment rise from 3.4% to 3.6%, which also really isn't that bad, but it's what the Fed wanted to see. They've been talking about the seeing some weakness in unemployment, but that was because more people entered the workforce now. 
But in our view, the most important factor was that we missed on average hourly earnings and hours worked missed on estimates as well. Now, it's tough to say that that's a good thing because we want to see our fellow Americans doing well, making more money, working as many hours as they would like, but that's not what the Fed wants to see. It's not that easy for them to say that out loud. They can say they want to raise unemployment because they're not telling you that they want you out of a job. They just need to raise the unemployment level. They can't say that they want you to have lower wages, right? That doesn't work. People start to turn on them when they say that, but that's exactly what the Fed wants to see because their biggest concern is avoiding a wage price spiral where inflation goes up, wages chase it, then inflation goes up again, wages chase it, and it's a, it's a, just a brutal cycle of, of essentially hyperinflation. So seeing wages come in below consensus here, below the rate of inflation, that's much more important to the Federal Reserve than the top line number. So in that regard, this should be viewed as a positive for, from our point of view of what the Fed's going to do next and would explain some of the massive drop we just saw in bond yields as well. Uh, overall, again today, this action should get the Fed's attention and those expectations for a 50 basis point rate hike should be crushed. We're now just a week and a half away from the next Fed's meeting. Uh, so we'll see what data we get between now and then. Still a lot of things coming our way before then. All right, so let's take a look at our market action on the day today. Earlier in the session, after the jobs report, it you know we didn't get the finish we wanted, but we got a valiant effort from the market this morning to try to turn positive. It was short-lived, we ended up finishing lower across the board, but you still like to see the fight there from our markets. So we were led today, if you want to call it that, by the Dow down 1.07% to 300 or 31,909. We were followed there by the S&P 500 down just under 1.5% to 3,861. Next up, NASDAQ down 1.76% to 11,138. Uh, the semis, good to see they were down less than the NASDAQ, down 1.65%. And lastly, the small caps leading the way lower, down almost 3% on the day, 2.95% to 1,772. So you can see there's clearly a lot of anxiety in the market right now. That We won't, we won't avoid that at all. But we're contrarians here. So we don't see this as a time to panic but rather a time to be getting ready to put money to work. Uh, whether that's going to be next week, you know, stay tuned, go inside for our 14 day free trial. We'll tell you all about it here, but we're getting ready here. Uh, you know, we think that as we wrote to our members this morning, we expect market weakness to be short lived and ultimately to prove to be a great buying opportunity because we have entered a new bull market here. Uh, and we're certainly at a lot of levels of support when we're looking at charts. So yes, we're facing a big wall of worry, but the good news is the market loves to climb a wall of worry. So with, given how negative investors are here and for a lot of reasons, rightfully so, but that again, just adds more confidence to our view that we'll be on the, the right side of the market here. And that's what matters. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about making money at the end of the day. All right, so next up, looking at our internals on the day today, I won't sugarcoat it here. 
It was an ugly day. Declining stocks, beating out advancing stocks, over 4.5 to 1 negative combined NYSE and NASDAQ. 52-week highs and lows. One of the worst days of 2023. Combined here, 756 stocks hitting 52-week lows today. Now, given that's a cumulative number, we talk about that a lot. A lot of these stocks rallied off the lows as our major indexes at least finished off the lows of the day. Um, so it might appear a little bit higher than we actually closed today, but we only had 52 socks hitting 52 week highs. So not what you want to see there. And lastly, uh, NASDAQ volume coming in negative, And we just had 87% downside volume today for the NYSE old school technicians will tell you they don't like to see that because yesterday we also had 93% downside volume on the NYSE. The old school way, back-to-back -back negative days like this, tells an old school technician to be careful. But there's one thing that could come in here to really erase their worries, and that would be a big upside volume day. If we can get one of those next week, they're looking for a 90% upside volume day. That would erase some of their fears here. So let's see if we can get one sooner rather than later. Next up, looking at our sectors on the day, all 11 sectors finished lower on the day. Uh, we were led by, if you want to call it that, consumer staples, healthcare, and consumer discretionary. You might think that financials would lead the way lower, but they didn't. It was real estate today. And it'd be interesting to take a look, a, diver, a deeper dive into this to see if it's commercial real estate really getting crushed with the banks here. Banks, massive owners of commercial real estate. We've heard a lot of talk about that today as well, and it makes sense. Kip's talked about this for a long time, and it's the reason why we don't like the banks. Who goes to a physical bank unless you absolutely have to, right? Especially millennials do anything to avoid that trip to the bank. Uh, most, most banks don't even have physical locations anymore. All these fintech companies, everything they do is digital. So these commercial real estate assets for banks could be in for a tough time, especially with everybody starting to work from home working at a bank, everything's already digital, pretty easy to work from home there. Uh, so financials, again, getting crushed on the week, down 15.7% for the banking index. Uh, so our other laggards were materials, industrials, and tech. Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch, where we finally got some green. Let's finish on a positive note to close out the week. The flight to safety trade appears to be working again, as I mentioned earlier. Bond Prices, that is, on the rise. Uh, gold, silver, and the miners also all nicely higher today. That's the flight to safety trade. Gold now up 2%, over 2%, to $1,871 an ounce. GDX, the gold mining ETF, was also up over 2% on the day. Silver up over 2% as well to $20.58 an ounce. Copper or one commodity lower on the day that we'll cover here, down eight-tenths of 1% to $4 a pound. And lastly, oil higher on the day by 1.15%, although I'll point out energy stocks weren't able to rally today. Finally for today, Bitcoin now down 1.66% today, back below $20,000 a Bitcoin, adding to a what has been a rough week for Bitcoin uh, down over 11% on the week. It's first time back below 20,000 since January, uh, about mid-January of this year. So roughly two months. Uh, we would like to see that begin to rally here. Of course, getting caught up in between FTX and now SVB, uh, all these acronyms. Um, 
uh, certainly doesn't help the crypto case here. These are uh, these these banks hold hold some crypto assets, so not to be unexpected completely here. Um, but folks, that's all that we have time for here today. I'm glad we could finish on a positive note there with commodities. Uh, we'll see if next week can be a little bit better for our markets. Uh, luckily, we are in the Fed blackout period, so we won't have to hear from them until the FOMC meeting, which is, uh, I believe, uh, uh, like I said, a week and a half away. So not with this this coming Wednesday, but the next. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll be covering all of that here. We hope you have a great weekend and be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day after the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top and we'd love to have you with us until next time. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday after the close.